Well, it's great to have you here this morning. Beautiful weather all weekend, and uh, that lifts the spirits, right? It's uh, good to just get outside. We were laying out in the grass yesterday after Compassion Day, uh, just hanging out. My daughter was doing some homework, and I was just laying there and uh, just enjoying a little bit. Okay, my wife was working, clipping things, and I was laying there. But, uh, but I did mow the lawn before it. And uh, so we were just having a good time relaxing and enjoying the weather as we recuperate. Man, you need some of that, don't you? Refreshment along the way. And, and uh, Compassion Day was uh, just an incredible thing. To put 720 people in a room, t-shirted up, right attitude, ready to serve, taking out Jesus Christ to the streets and introducing them in every way possible from doing the littlest and smallest of tasks to the biggest of meeting and talking with and sharing Christ and whatever happened along the way and may God be made much of, right? And as we do this for people, as we're helping people, uh, question, are we just being nice to be nice? No. Like, that's not the game plan. It's not, let's just go out and be nice because we're really humanitarian kind of people. And let's just think a lot about other people and we'll just go be nice for today and then that's all it was. It's so much more than that, right? And we know Jesus Christ as Savior and King. And we love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength and that spills to the street as we love our neighbor as ourself. And, and man, there's purpose to Compassion Day as we love those in this community and let them know that there's a God who loves them too. All right, that's what it's all about. And uh, just so you know, the world doesn't buy into that. The world is like, yeah, I don't know, man. I think there's actually a lot of ways to uh, get to God. I think there's a lot of ways to experience this heaven thing later on. And, and uh, I think you're kind of rude for insisting there's one. And uh, so today we're just going to look at what Jesus thinks of that. All right, little hint, the sermon title is called Jesus is the only way. All right. So turn with me to John chapter 14, verse 1. John 14, verse 1. We got the ushers coming forward, and uh, they got Bibles in their hands. So if you need one, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? Just raise your hand. They'll get a Bible to you. John 14, verse 1. And uh, our goal here is to look at what Jesus had to say about himself, and let's make sure we become students of it. Please hear me on this. Our job is to hear what Jesus is, is asking us to learn today. All right, so watch for it. Some of you have his words in red. That'll help, right? Watch the red. Here we go. And uh, so first point, Jesus has a plan and a place. Believe in him. Jesus has a plan and a place. Believe in him. Starts out in verse one. Let not your hearts be troubled, troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? All right, he starts out, let not your heart be troubled. And remember, every week we do this when we're jumping in, we got to understand the context. You cannot understand the text until you understand the context, okay? So where does this text sit in all of scripture and what's going on? Why is he saying, let not your heart be troubled? And uh, just so you know, in chapter 13, Jesus is unrolling a bomb to them. He's like, hey, disciples, it's been great doing business with you, but um, I'm moving on. I'm going somewhere you can't come. And then the disciples are battling back and forth, and they all have different ways in their response to that. But it's bringing them down. All of a sudden, this Jesus thing they've been doing for the last several years is coming to a close, and they don't get why. And I thought you were going to be the Messiah, and they're struggling. Let not your hearts 
be troubled. This passage is meant to bring confidence, assurance, peace. Let not your hearts be troubled. Get ready. Jesus is going to unroll some truths for us here. First, he says, believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in God, believe also in me. Just so you know, these two statements are in the command form, right? You're learning a statement of Jesus, not just saying, hey, it'd be nice if. He's like, this is what needs to be done. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now, for those of you here last week, and we went through the series or the sermon called Jesus is God. So what's up with this? Believe in God, believe also in me. Let's make sure we break this down and understand it. We got to be very careful here. Is Jesus saying he's not God? Um, if that's what he's saying, then last week was a waste of time, right? So what is he saying? And uh, we have to be very careful. Notice it says, believe in God, believe also in me. Can we just all agree that worshiping God is where it needs to be? Are we good with that? That's a really weak yes. Are we good with that? All right. So believing in God, that's what it's all about. Jesus now says, believe also in me. Wait a minute. If he's not God, he just called for idolatry. Are you getting that? If he's not God, he's like, worship two people, one God and one not God. And and that's a problem. Everybody say, that's a problem. That's not what he's calling for. He's calling more for the depth of understanding of who God is. You believe in God. And really he's calling out here, God the Father in essence. You believe in the one that you've been thinking of. That's great. You believe also in me, God the Son. I'm just telling you, one God, three persons. The complication of God is huge. Uh, That's a good thing. God is not some simple little being that you and I can figure out in five minutes. We're like, hang on, I'm going to think about God for a second. Yep, I understand him now. Right? That's, that is not how it's going to come down with God. And what he's talking about here is the oneness of God and yet the threeness of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he's like, you believe in God. That's great. You believe also in me. I did not just call out idolatry. One God and I am him. I and the Father are one. Right? We looked at that in John chapter 10 last week, and uh, we're going to see a little bit more of his connection to the Father in a second here. Huge for us to understand. This is not a call that he's not God. In fact, it's a call that he is God, or else he just called out idolatry. Big deal. All right. It says, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And uh, in my Father's house are many rooms. And for those of you who memorized in this in the King James, many mansions, Right? Big homes, man. And I don't know why they chose the word mansion. In fact, it actually does mean more like a room well prepared for you. Okay. But check this. It says in my father's house, not in my father's hotel. He's not making a bunch of rooms and he's like, I don't know. Go live over there. See the flashing neon sign. Just go live in that space. And, uh, that's not it. It's listen, this is where I reside This is my home. And in my father's home are many rooms. And uh, notice it says right after it. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Now, this is stated in the question form in the ESV and in a couple other versions. Some of yours are stating it in the the fact form. Uh, If it were not so, I would have told you. 
And uh, just so you know, the intent is the same either way. In the original language, there were not question marks. So you had to figure out by the structure of it what was going on. Is this a question or a statement? And uh, as they're beginning to pursue this, pa- this uh, passage in understanding its original grammar, they're thinking maybe it was more in question form. Either way, it comes down to this. Listen, man, I'm telling you that I'm going to prepare a place. Count on it. It's that simple. Count on it. I'm telling you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And a huge deal. Everybody say, this is a huge deal. And uh, so, you know, culturally, this is how it went down back then. If a father had some wealth, he would live in a place. And as his kids were born, he would have rooms built onto the house for them. As they got married, he would have rooms built onto the house for them. As they had kids, he would have rooms built onto the house for them. The father would provide as all would kind of come and live under that patriarchal environment where there would be a sharing of responsibility, right? Remember, a lot of times it was a rural setting, and so they were doing a lot of work together, and that was kind of the plan. He's like, I just want you to think of what it's like right now. Think of your dad. Any of you have dads preparing homes? Jesus talking back then, right? It's a little different today. And he's like, just so you know, your father is preparing a room for you. And they're like, oh, I so get that. That's what was going on. Today, we'd be like, your father's preparing a room for you. Really? Why? Right? It's a little different culture today. And uh, so this is what it was like. And he's just saying, I want you to understand it's all about relationship. Please understand, if we get all hung up on does it mean room or mansion, we have missed the point. Okay? It is not about the size of the space or the cool factor of the space or how it's decorated or which floor it's on or whatever about the room. We've missed the point. In my father's house are many rooms. It's about being with him. It's about spending time with him. It's about relationship with our God that will rock our world for all of eternity Every moment we look at him, we're stunned at some new facet of his glory. And you're with him for eternity. Praise be to God. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, right? And uh, then he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Jesus is giving so many promises here that they're stacking up. It's almost like they needed to get out a note card. Hang on and start writing them down, right? First of all, Jesus is God and believe in him. Okay. And got that. And, and he is going to prepare a place. Cool. And, and I do get to be with God, the father got it. And now he's like, and just so you know, if I'm going to prepare a place, I'm not going to prepare it and then leave you here. Right? So I'm coming back, man. There's point to this thing. And uh, I can't imagine what the faces of the disciples looked like during this conversation. I, given what's said in a little bit here, and we'll see it in just a second, I think they were kind of like this. What? What's he talking about? They had this look on their faces of, okay, I don't know if I get it. Now, for us, we maybe have heard these passages quoted or read or even talked about. And, but for them, these were the first time they're hearing the words, you're going away? You're kidding me. And, and you're doing what? You're building rooms somewhere? 
dude, stop building rooms. Stay with us. Why are you doing this? Don't worry. I'm coming back. Well, that's a good thing. I guess that's good. At least he's coming back. Right. And, and then it says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. If you had a question as to whether it was about relationship, please hear those words. And I will take you to myself. Not, and I will take you to your room. I will take you to myself. The creator of the universe, Jesus Christ, almighty God, savior, redeemer, Lord, cares about you personally. Ready to spend eternity with you. Laughing, working, moving towards things that it's always about his glory and absolutely about us being thrilled with him in the process. What a privilege we have in him. And just so you know, his name is called Emmanuel, right? Emmanuel, God with us. And you see it being fulfilled right here. And I will take you to myself. And there's this privilege of eternity, God with us. And us spending time with him. And and notice he says then, that where I am, there you may be also. That where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is saying, it is going to be about forever. In perfection. No tears, no pain, no sorrow. You and me hanging out. All this stuff completely resolved. And for eternity, you being stunned with everything around you that I have created and that I have called you to. Man, I'm telling you, I'm going away. But while I'm gone, I'm preparing a place. I am coming again. And I will take you to myself. I am coming again. There is a return of the Lord Jesus Christ and we will be stunned by who he is as he comes. We are told about his coming in clarity, in specifics, and we get to love him for eternity as he storms onto the scene, Revelation 19, and establishes his kingdom for eternity. Praise be to God. We have a king who's coming again and he's coming to take us home to be with him. Praise be to God. It says that where I am there, you may be also. And then he says, and you know the way to where I am going. And you know the way. He's talking to these guys. And I got to believe at that moment, he turns in some information to them because the facial expression was like, I don't know what he's talking about. Every once in a while, Jesus looks that way to say something. And he looks at the other guy. Do you get this? I totally don't know if I get this. So he looks at him, he goes, and you know the way. And they're like, oh, I don't even know the address. How do I know the way? Where are you going? I don't get it. And they just have this confusion about him. As Jesus says, I'm telling you, you know the way. Let me just ask you a question. There's a word, it's called the, it's a definite article, right? That's what it's called in grammar. Uh, When you use the word the, how many of those things are there? We need it bigger. When we use the word the, how many of those things are there? One. When I'm like the dog, there's one dog. And I talk about uh, the wife. (laughs) I never talk that way, just so you know. But there'd be one of those, right? And uh, the Bible that I have in my hands. And there's one, and right? The 
the. It means one. In whatever context we're talking about, that thing, there's one of those. He says, you know the way. The way. There is how many ways? One. one way to where Jesus is going and being with him. And we better get that square. Jesus making very clear what he's talking about. And, and so now we have Jesus. He's preparing the way. He's preparing a place for us. And we have promise meant to give us confidence in the midst of dark times. And um, I don't know, man. I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with this promise that he's off somewhere else making a place for me. And I don't know that I even get what that means. And how do I know he's really doing that thing? And well, maybe let's say it this way. He's doing more than just making a place, preparing a place for us if we trust him as savior, right? He's doing more than that. He also said these words, and I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Are you hearing those words? Just so you know, I heard this said as a good point. Gates of hell. Do you know what gates are used for? They're used for protecting, right? You close the gates to try to keep people from getting in. All too often we think of the gates of hell as some kind of attack against us as believers. And, 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 and we will prevail as they attack. That's not what it means. There's the gates, man, and they're closed tight. And the gates of hell cannot hold back his kingdom from breaking forth in this world. Much will be made of our God. The church is being grown. He is bringing people to himself. People are being saved regularly, often. And he is being made much of. The gates of hell will not prevail. That's what it means. Know this. He is building his church. And, uh, and uh, you may not know this. But uh, Harvest Bible Chapel is a church planting church, and uh, we're excited about it. We've planted Harvest Bible Chapel Denver. We've helped plant Harvest Bible Chapel in Jacmel, Haiti, and uh, we're going to continue to plant. We're excited to see his church built. We are participating with him in this world as he does amazing work. That's what's going on. And, And just so you know, all the Harvest Bible Chapels, when you see that name, they are church planting churches, and we all kind of work together to continue to plant and shape and share together. And uh, this was actually a big uh, week this past week, and uh, we actually hit a milestone for church planting. And uh, I'm just going to let the video speak for itself. We got a little video to explain it. Last summer, I shared a vision that by God's grace, we would plant 10 churches over the next 10 years. And the time has come to plant number one. I'll never forget uh, meeting out in the parking lot in Rolling Meadows and the rain was coming down and I was in the car with James and I just looked at him and I said, I'm sensing God wants me to do this. But I know if we're going to stay healthy and strong and committed to a quality of discipleship and not just a quantity of disciples, we need to birth new churches. We joined a group of people in Romania who became the first Harvest Bible Chapel internationally. January 2005, we planted five churches. Two years later, we actually planted 10 churches in that very year itself. A year later, we planted 19 churches in one year. We see Liberia as being another sending base. 
So you got to know how drop dead blown away we were by the grace of God that at the 10th anniversary of that vision, we had seen God meet that need by fourfold. Ten churches in ten years, it's going to be 50 churches in ten years. One of the things we get really fired up about is every time there's a new church, a new Harvest Bible Chaplet. Planting a church doesn't hurt your church. Planting a church actually grows your church. It grows your people. Harvest Chennai, India was the largest Harvest Bible Chapel launch in history. It's only just begun. mission of the church is missions. The mission of missions is the church. Man, a hundred Harvest Bible chapels have been planted. Listen to me. When Christ says, I will build my church, he's talking about more disciples. He's talking about deeper disciples. He's not just talking about Harvest Bible chapels. Any church that's being built where Christ is being made much of, we're thrilled about, we're excited about. We do go about planting harvests. We're excited about it. A hundred just got hit. We're excited about that number. Just know this. Uh, I just wrote a few words down. Uh, please know each and every church means people being saved. People being baptized, people being matured in their walk with Christ. Some of these church are more like a hundred in size and some of them are more like a couple thousand and one of them is like 13,000, right? And that's Harvest Bible Chapel Rolling Meadows, the one that first started all this back in 1988. And, and uh, God's been doing an amazing work. He is building his church. Amen. He is building his church and we're a part of something awesome going on. And our job is not to just sit around here and say, I, I want to feel a little better about me today. Our job is to say, may much be made of, of our king. May he be shown off in this place. May more people come to know him as savior. Our excitement and thrill here is exactly that. May Jesus be shown off with all we've got. Everything we have spreading the fame of his name. And may every church we plant be the same. Amen. That's what we're going after. And all of that to say, that's him at work right here in this broken world. Can you imagine what his work looks like in heaven in perfection? When he says he's preparing a place and he's getting it set for the coming home of those who believe in him for an eternity of him being worshiped. Trust me, it is stunning. It is awesome. It is going to be unbelievable what our eyes are taking in and what our hearts experience. I can't wait for our king to return for life with him for all of eternity. That's part of the hope. Let not your heart be troubled. And, uh, so simple question. Are you worrying? 
This life got you down and the day-to-days of things get you. Let not your heart be troubled. Know that you have a God who's mightily at work in this world and maybe I should ask it this way. Do you trust Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Do you know him and lean on him as your God? That's where we need to be with him. The ones he's talking to where he says, I'm preparing a place for you are the ones who have said, I'm in. I see you as in charge. I see you as God. I know you died on the cross for me and I'm in. Are you in with Jesus Christ? Is he in charge in your life? Are you trusting in him? And uh, maybe here's another question. Just simply put from the point, do you believe in Jesus? He said, believe in God, believe also in me. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Man, if you're here this morning and these words are washing past you and you're like, I wonder what I'm going to do this afternoon outside in the yard. Please hear me. It's wake up time. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? If the answer is no, please make today the day where you put the stake in the ground. You are done with the battle. It is over with it being all about me. I'm ready to make much of you. May you be worshiped and glorified. All right. Second, well, if we're going to worship him, if we're going to glorify him, let's find a little bit about him. Jesus is the only way to the father. Trust in him alone. Jesus is the only way to the father. Trust in him alone. Remember, Jesus just got done saying, and you know the way to where I'm going. So Thomas said to him, Lord, uh, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Um, all right, when Jesus says something to you, usually the best response is not a challenge question in return. You know what I'm saying? You know the way. All right, I beg to differ. I at this time do not have any address written down that you have given me. I do not know where you are going. And so I assert, I do not know the way, right? And uh, I'm sure the next moments were a little tense as all the other disciples are like, let Thomas just kind of stand out there in that one alone. Just thinking the same thing myself, but not going to say it. And uh, right in that moment, uh, Thomas going out on a limb. I don't get it. I don't get where you're going. I don't get where you're coming back from. I don't get where you're taking me to. What are you talking about? Where are you headed? And what is the way? Thinking very worldly, very earthly, very in the moment. Not thinking heaven, not thinking Messiah, Savior, Jesus Christ, King and God. This is Thomas. In just a few short chapters in John, just a little bit of time, and all of a sudden he's going to fall to his knees as he sees the nail prints of Jesus Christ. And he's going to cry out, my Lord and my God. And then he gets it. And he's locked in. All right. In this moment, still not getting it. Where are you going? How can we know the way? Jesus says to him, I am the way. Let's not even go on with that quote because we get used to the quote and we just rattle it off. Remember, Jesus said, you know the way. Thomas goes, I don't know the way. He goes, I am the way. Now let's put the two together. You know the way. I'm the way. You know me. 
You know the way. This is about relationship, bro. And you know the one who's bringing it all together. I am the way. Uh, how many things are there when we see the word the? One. And uh, the way. There is one way. And then he says, the truth. And so how many truths are there? And the life. How many lives are there? Be very careful. There is a lot being sold out there in the world today that says there are many and many and many of those ways, truths, and lives. And, uh, and yet Jesus says there is one. And uh, so what's he talking about? He's talking very specifically about a relationship with him that lasts for all eternity. And there is one way to the Father. And that's through Jesus Christ. He very clearly states that in just a second here, right? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Except through me. All right? It is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is, about, is it about his work on the cross, not our work? We do not earn it. We do not keep it with our works. It is Jesus Christ who is doing it on the cross. There is one way, Jesus Christ. There is how many ways? One way, Jesus Christ. And he's making it painfully and perfectly clear here. And uh, I just want to tell you, I did a little looking up of other attempts at getting to heaven or getting to God. And here's what I found. Um, there are over 20 world religions, major world religions. There are over 4,200 religions that are marked on Google. So it must be true. Right? Over 4,200. Over 4,200. Let that number settle. 4,200 different ways where people are like, I'm going to try this way. And I want you to know this. Every way that is not through Jesus Christ has a couple things in common with it. Number one, it will not make much of their own sin. They are going to set that aside in some way. It is not about my sin and it's not about the fact that it can't be covered. I will not make much of that. And number two, they will not make much of the fact that only Jesus Christ can cover that sin. They will miss that. And those two pieces are shot. No matter what they come up with, no matter which way they're headed, they drop on sin and Savior. That's what's missing. And uh, it's not the Baha'i faith. It's not Buddhism or Confucianism. It's not Hinduism or Islam or Jainism. It's not Jehovah's Witnesses or Judaism or Mormonism. It's not Sikhism or Taoism or Zoroastrianism. Just to name a few. And there's 4,200 4, others that have all said, let's give it a shot without Jesus Christ at the center and without me admitting that I need a Savior. And uh, that doesn't work. Everybody just say that doesn't work. It doesn't get it done. So says Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. He says, if you, amazing as he talks, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. If you had known me, you would have known the Father. He's like, I'm telling you. Remember, he says, you know the way. Your head and your eyes, you're, you've come into contact with the way. The way is me, Jesus Christ, God himself. Now I'm telling you this. If you had actually known me in the heart, right? You would have known the Father. 
You would have seen the connecting between me and God. You would have seen this plan from top to bottom and you would have been stunned with who I am. But right now instead, you're just beginning to catch on to knowing me is to know the Father. You're looking at God himself, man. You're looking at God himself and I am the way. There is no other way but Jesus Christ. He claims it. He clears it up. There is absolute certainty that he is God. We looked at it last week. That with authority and power, he died and rose again. We looked at it Easter Sunday. I'm telling you this. Jesus Christ loves you with all he got. He's God. And he paid it for us. And he's preparing a place for those who trust in him. And he's looking to come back and for eternity be with them. God with us. What an amazing privilege we can have. As it says, from now on you do know him and have seen him. Hope. And uh, all too often when we walk through a passage like this or even a series like this, don't be fooled. The world's claiming that's rude and narrow-minded to say there's one way. Jesus would say, I beg to differ. I am the one way. And as you stand against me, things don't look good. It needs to be Christ first. His cross work for us. Forgiven. That's what saved looks like. And, uh, many of us are like, amen. And a few of us in this room right now, you might be like, I'm sorry, I don't get the Jesus thing. I just don't get it. And, uh, let's just be perfectly clear, all right? Paul says, Romans 3, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? You've heard the word sin before. It sounds like a church ease term, right? But it's a sports term. Paul was talking about an archery term from Rome. And when you pull back and you shoot that arrow, it is aiming at the bullseye, but you miss. You miss the bullseye. You miss the outer rings. You miss everything. You come up short and you hit the turf. The sand flies. You've hit nothing. And people would cry out, oh, he sinned. It was a sports term. Paul applies it into this moment and he's like, I'm telling you, you're trying to be good enough. But you've hit the turf in front. You missed the mark. You came up short. You sinned. And uh, we've said it before in here a number of times, but it's like in basketball, right? You pull up at the three-point line. You're about 23 feet out and you shoot like a 19-footer. You're like four feet short, right? Hits nothing, no rim, no net, no nothing. And the crowd cries out, Airball. That's all Paul said. For all have sinned and shot an airball. Very clear. That's what it was. It was a sports term. Everybody turned. I'm sure they laughed just like that in Rome. For all have sinned. Oh, I get it. Turf and arrows and I get it. And uh, do you get that? Do you get that your good works short? How many points do you get for an airball? Zero. And, uh, and yet we stand around and we're like, dude, my airball was totally more close than yours. <laughs> That's what we talk about now. Proximity is now all we're talking about. No points, just closeness. And you've shot an airball. Do you get that? It's time for you to say, Lord, I understand that I've come up short. I've missed the mark. I have not been good enough. It cannot be earned. Admit that. And then the next steps are pretty easy. We just say, hey, it's... It's not easy, but it's as simple as ABC. 
All right? A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that God has raised him from the dead. Jesus Christ is alive. There is hope in him. There is life in him. There is power in him. He is God. He is risen. And he has paid the powerful work on the cross. I cannot do it, Airball. He has done it. He says, I am the way. His work on the cross, something I could never do, and he's done it for me. Praise be to God. Believe that he died on the cross and rose again. I'm just telling you, a lot of people get through A and B. They're like, fine, I got it. I'm not perfect, I understand that. And, uh, and I believe he died on the cross and rose again. Fine, go ahead and do that forgiving thing. You can do that. But the last step is crucial. C, confess him as Lord. Your Lord, in charge of your life. And many people set that down and they step away and they're like, you can confess away from me. You can try to do whatever you need to for me, but I won't confess. I stand against you now, Lord. I'll do what I want to do. And those rebel moments will tear your heart apart. I'm telling you, I've had conversations in these last couple weeks that have rocked my world and theirs as they've let me know things that have gone on in their life. People who have said words like, I needed to come to rock bottom and see uh, unbelievable things done that I could never have seen otherwise to know that God had his hand on me and I'm done fighting him. I've confessed that he's in charge of my life. I've asked him to forgive me of my sins. That was a couple weeks back, a guy told me that. And uh, another guy who said, I got it here, but I just now got it here. And I put him in charge. How about you? Do you understand that the last step is essential? Confess him as your Lord. You're in charge, God. What you want, I go for. I do. Right? Jesus said last week as we looked that his sheep hear his voice and they follow. That's him as Lord. Are you ready to make him Lord? Maybe right now, today is the time. Maybe there's one person in this room where you're hearing it and God's banging on your soul and right now's the time to hand it over. Man, let's not walk through a series on Don't Be Fooled where we learn all about the awesomeness of Jesus and we don't hand it over to him. So here's what I'm gonna ask. Let's just take a little time where we reflect, where we pray. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on up and get set in their place. And let's just take a little bit of time of worshiping him in prayer here together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word and the truth of your word. Lord, we thank you for the clarity of what Jesus taught us today, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We worship you now in this room. We celebrate you. We cry out for you to be glorified. Let's just take a few moments right here and just worship him. Right where you sit, thank him for who he is. Thank him for what he's accomplished. Let's praise your Savior's name.
thank him and celebrate what he is doing now, building the church and preparing a place. Thank him and praise him. if you're in this room and you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior do me a favor and be praying right now there are some in this room who don't know him and they need to come to know him may God make it clear who he is just be praying if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior if you're like I don't get this Jesus thing up until now I've been nowhere with him but I want to make him the way in my life the truth and the life I'm ready to follow Jesus as my Savior and trust in Him. If you understand that you come up short with your own good works, that Jesus Christ has died and risen again, and that He is willing to be your God, just confess and cry out to Him. Man, right now is the time. Just let Him know. It's a commitment within your heart to say, I'm in, Lord, you. Let's make that decision, will you? If you're like, I don't even know what to do next. I'm not sure what steps. I, I don't even know how to tell them that. Well, then maybe right now you just want to pray a prayer. Please hear me. Prayers do not save. It's not about praying the prayer. It's about you admitting and believing and confessing, Romans 10, 9 and 10. But if you want to pray and tell him right now you're in, if right now you want to say, Jesus, I'm following you now for the first time, just pray these words after me quietly where you are. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit that my good works have come up short. I admit that I've been trying to do it all on my own. I believe you have risen from the dead. Please forgive me. Please use your shed blood, your payment at the cross, to cover what I could never pay. Thank you for your sacrifice and your love. I confess you as my Lord, and I'm following you, done with sin, on with Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Here's my request, man, if you've prayed that prayer today, if you committed to him today, I'd love to be able to pray for you. I'd love to be able to lift up you before your Savior and thank Him for what He's doing. Could you just let me know by raising your hand where you are and I'll pray for you. If you trusted Christ today, just raise your hand and let me know. I want to pray for you. Amen. You see that? trusted Christ today. Amen. I see that hand, bro. Man, God is moving in this place right now.
Just continue to pray that God would stir. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior today, just let me know so I can pray for you. It's a great first step in trusting Him. Just lifting your hand up and saying, I'm in, God. In there. Just let me know. Amen. I see that. Amen, bro. You may have trusted Christ just in the last couple of weeks as we've been walking through a big series here on Jesus, or maybe it's been on something that's just been happening in your own world. If you've trusted Christ in the last couple of weeks and you're like, I'm in with him now, it's a great opportunity to just say, Lord, I, I'm celebrating it. Just let me know so I can pray for you. You can raise your hand and let me know. Amen, bro. I see that. in this place and he's making much of his name I don't want to cut it off too fast if there's anybody who's like I'm in I've been waiting a long time Jesus I see that and amen amen I see ya risen Savior and his name is Jesus Christ. Lord, we worship you. We're in awe of you. We are stunned by your glory, amazed by the simplicity of this truth, that it is you and you alone. Lord, may every one of us as we go out today simply say these words, you are awesome. You are my God. And I'm following you with all I've got. What do you have next? I love you, Lord. And I'm in. It's in your mighty, saving name I pray these things. And all of God's people said.